All right, everybody say praise the Lord. Praise All right, God bless you. Now, you're being given your handouts for tonight's lesson. And when you get it, I'm going to uh, get right into our subject here today. It's one that I think will be a blessing to you. And uh, this is what is being handed out to you there. And uh, when you get your handouts, you'll be able to read it better. And what we have at the top of the page there is infallible proofs. The Eastern Gate, infallible proofs. And uh, there are numerous infallible proofs. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures to you, and then we'll get into the lesson here. And uh, everybody got one in your hand. All right. If you look with us, number one here. I'm going to go to this right away, and everything will start taking, shedding light here. Look at Luke's testimony found in Luke chapter 1, verse 1. Just go to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to read the first four verses to you here. And uh, these are the writings of Luke here, who wrote the book of the, the, book of the Gospel of St. Luke. And it says, for as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. This is what he says, those things that are so surely believed among us, even as they deliver them unto us. Luke was not one of the original 12 that followed Jesus. He was sort of one of a late comer, but he was a he was a physician. Very smart man. But he said, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write unto thee in order, O most excellent Theophilus. Now, we don't know who Theophilus was, but we assume that he was some kind of a diplomat or a potentate or somebody very important, a Gentile figure, a person that was being, that was considering Christianity as his faith at this time. And Luke wrote this gospel of his gospel, particularly naming him and wanted him to know that I'm going to write this to you so that you'll know beyond a shadow of a doubt that everything about Jesus Christ is absolutely true. And then look at verse 4. This is where we're going. That thou mightest know the certainty of these things. The certainty of these things. In other words, it would not ever be in question. Never be in question. Wherein thou hast been instructed. So he's saying, Theophilus, I'm writing this book so that you'll understand all about Jesus' life, his ministry on earth, his work, his healings, his power, his glory, everything about it, so that there would, so that there would be a, a complete understanding. Verse 4 again, that thou mightest know the certainty of these things wherein thou hast been instructed. Now, the uh, irony of this is that Luke also wrote the book of Acts. So if you go to the book of Acts, Chapter 1, and this is the very next verse that we have in that number 1 readout there is Acts chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to read down three verses in this chapter here. This is Luke now writing the book of Acts. 
And in writing the book of Acts, he refers back to his own book that he wrote through Theophilus. That was the gospel book. Now look at Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. The former treaties. That was the book of St. Luke that he wrote to Theophilus about Jesus' life. Verse 2, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. And this is where we get our text from our, on our lesson here today, the infallible proofs, infallible proofs. By many, many, many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining unto the kingdom of God. Now, I've chosen those two scriptures to show you that in Luke's introduction to the two books that he wrote, he said, I'm writing this so that you'll never have any, any, any doubt that everything about Christ is absolutely true. Praise the Lord. Now, before I go any further, there are many infallible proofs, many. And we could talk about them. I mean, things that Jesus said, he, for instance, he said, uh, when they showed him the temple in the 24th chapter of Matthew, uh, they said, look at this beautiful temple. He said, not one stone shall be left upon another. And that's exactly the way it happened. Exactly the way it happened. Uh, in 70 AD, Jesus was crucified in 30, around 30 AD. In 70 AD, the Roman army came in, conquered Jerusalem, destroyed, just about destroyed the city and destroyed the temple. And the irony of about the destruction of the temple, and Jesus said, now one stone shall be left upon another. Jesus had said that. One stone shall be not be left upon another. If you go to Israel today, they have the outer closure compound. And there are certain stones that were the original stones in that wall, but not the temple itself, not the temple itself. It's completely gone. And there's the Dome of the Rock by the Muslims that sits there to this day. But in 70 AD, when he was conquered by the Romans, Titus, who was the young general who had gone in there and then broke through and gotten inside on the Temple Mount, those soldiers began to tear the temple apart. And he began to yell at them, don't destroy the temple. I want to preserve the temple. Don't destroy the temple. But Josephus says it was as though he was a, a man who had lived at that time. He was living during the time of that destruction of the temple. He was born in 70, 37 A.D. And this was happened in 70 A.D. Josephus says that it was as though they heard him not. And he even called his generals and says, tell the men, don't destroy the temple. Don't destroy the temple. Stop it right now. And he was the general. He was the head guy. And they, it was though they never heard the generals even. They kept on until they had destroyed and tore down everything. And everything that Jesus had said, that one stone shall be left upon another. Now, that's just one example. Now, I'm not going to go into all the examples of the proofs. That, and there are many of them. But I want to talk to you about one, and that's the one that's right under uh, the infallible proofs, and that's the Eastern Gate. I want to talk to you about the Eastern Gate, and this is a phenomenon that is still in existence, is still there. You can see it with your eyes. I'm going to show you some pictures when we get toward the end of our Bible study here. 
and uh, how that God's word stands true and firm, folks, and you can trust it with all of your heart. If there was anything that I would want to say to the people of God, it would be don't ever doubt the word of God. God's word is absolutely true. Praise the Lord. Now, let me move on here a little bit further. I want to go to Ezekiel a minute. And uh, this is, uh, I'm going to move on down here a little bit further uh, into A, the Eastern Gate, Ezekiel's experience. And go to A, Ezekiel was in Babylon in captivity and saw a chariot of fire in heaven, in the heavens. Now, I'm going to read some passage of scripture here to Ezekiel. If you look in Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1, then I'll tell you what's going on here with Ezekiel in this particular incident. Now, it came to pass in the 13th year, I mean, Ezekiel 1 here, came to pass in the 13th year, I'm sorry, the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the uh, 15th day of the month, as I was among the captivities of the river of Chebar, by the river of Chebar. Now, he was in uh, Babylon, and uh, Josephus was. Let me see if i got a map here or something that I can show you. Uh, he was in uh, Babylon and had been taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar, who was the, the king. Let me find it. Hang on a second. There we go. This is the map here that I want to show you here. And uh, this is Canaan's land, or it's Palestine today. And this is Iraq, and this is Iran. This river here sort of separates Iran from Iraq right in here. And Syria is right in here. And Saudi Arabia is down in here. I won't go into detail about it, but just to say that this is where, this is Jerusalem, and this is Israel here. And... Uh, Nebuchadnezzar had come over from Babylon here and come over and down in here and captured the Israel and had taken 10,000 young of the young people of Israel and taken them back over here into Babylon. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego was four of them. And, of course, uh, Ezekiel was another one. I won't go into detail, and I talked to you about this here a while back. So Ezekiel is over here in Babylon, and he is feeling really low because he's thinking we can't worship God over here because we're a long ways away from the temple is all back over here in Jerusalem. Uh, right here in Jerusalem. It's over here in Jerusalem and, uh, and the presence of God is there and um, we're over here. And this is what happened to him. I'm reading here one, one that came to pass in the 13th, the 30th year, the fourth month in the Fifth day of the month, and I was among the captivities by the year of Chebar. And the heavens were open, and I saw visions of God in the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity. And the word of the Lord, of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzai, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chebar, and the land of the, and the hand of the Lord was upon him. And he says, and I looked and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and a fire enfolding itself and a brightness was about it. And out of the midst thereof as a color of amber and out of the midst of the fire. Now, I referred to this here last, either last week or week before last in one of my other Bible lessons 
where Ezekiel saw the rainbow. That's when we talked about the rainbow thing. But he saw this vision of this, of this uh, chariot of fire. And he thought, what in the world is all of this? Now, I'm going to jump over here. He talks all about it. He describes it. I'm not going to read all this that he talks about in this first chapter. But look at verse 26. And above the firmament, that was above their heads, was the likeness of a throne. A throne. Now, there's a fire and there's a throne there. As the appearance of a sapphire stone and upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness of the appearance of a man above upon it. And I saw as the color of amber and the appearance of fire round about within it. From the appearance of his loins, even upward, even from the appearance of his loins, even downward. And I saw as it were the appearance of fire, and it had brightness round about. In other words, he saw this great sight. I'm going to read, continue reading 28 verse. And as the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain. We talked about that the other day. So was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord. This is the emphasis here. And when I saw it, I fell upon my face and heard a voice from heaven and spake. And the Lord began to talk to him and said to him, Ezekiel, I know what you're thinking. I know where you are. Now, I could take you to the book of Psalms and show you Psalms. And they're written in the Bible where that these people were over in Babylon and they were sad and they hung their harps on willow on the willows and they would not sing anymore. They would not worship anymore. Their hearts were heavy. And it describes it in the book of Psalms. We won't go there right now. We don't have the time for it. But I'm just going to try to show, try to show you here the predicament that Ezekiel was in. Now, I'm going to go a little bit further here. In the eighth chapter of the book of Ezekiel. Now, let me take this off. You see where they are over in Babylon there. He is. And uh, we read to you Ezekiel 1 and Ezekiel 1. And then one year later, Ezekiel sees this vision. 8-1. Look at 8-1 with us real quickly. And it came to pass in the sixth year, the sixth month, and the fifth day of the month, as I said, in mine own house, and the elders of the Judah said before me that the hand of the Lord fell upon there, upon me. The hand of the Lord fell upon Look what had happened here to him. Verse 3. And he put forth the form of a hand and took me by the nap of mine head. And the spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heavens and brought me in a vision of God to Jerusalem. Now, remember the map that we showed you here in a vision. In a vision, he is brought from over here, Babylon, clear over to Jerusalem in this vision that he's having. God picks him up and takes him over there. And to him, he flies through the air and. Probably not literal, but in his vision that God shows him. And it goes on to say here in this verse 3 of 8.3, And brought me in a vision to the, uh, to the God of it, to Jerusalem, the vision of God, to the door of the inner gate that looketh toward the north, where was the seat of the image of the jealousy which provoked jealousy. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel was there. Okay, there it was. According to the vision that I saw in the plain. In other words, the glory of God was there in this, uh, in Jerusalem, just like he had seen it up in the sky in Babylon. He's thinking, okay, if it's here, why is it there? And if it's there, how can it be here? And so forth. Look at verse 6. I'm moving on here. Verse 6, 8, 6. 
He said there, he said furthermore unto me, son of man, see if thou what they do, even the great abominations. He began to show him the people there. That the house of Israel committeth here that I should go far off from my sanctuary. God saying, you see here what's going on. I'm going to show you some things and this is why I'm going to leave my sanctuary. This is why you're seeing me over in Babylon. But turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations. Now, in the sixth verse, he says, I said, therefore, unto thee, son of man, seest thou what they do, even the great abominations. Now, then over in the latter part of that verse, he says, I will show you greater abominations. Look at verse 9. He said unto me, go in and behold the wicked abominations that they do here. So I went in and saw, and behold, every form of creeping thing and abominable beasts and of all the idols in the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall round about. Verse 12. Then said he unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in his chambers of his imaginary. For they say, The Lord seeth us not. The Lord hath uh, forsaken the earth. He saith unto me, turn ye yet again, and thou shalt see even greater abominations. That's twice he's read this word, greater abominations, that they do. Now I'm going to show you some other things going on here in in Jerusalem. Then said he, verse 15, then said he unto me, hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn ye yet again, and thou shalt see even greater abominations than these. You notice the Lord kept saying, I'm showing you things here. This is why when you see the presence of God out of Jerusalem, you'll know why. Stay with me on this, folks. I got something to show you here. And he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house. And behold, at the door of the temple of the, of the, and the Lord, between, between the porch and the altar were about, were a, a, about five and twenty men, twenty-five men, with their backs toward the temple of the Lord, because the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem always faced the east, always faced the east. Their backs was toward the temple of the Lord, and their faces toward the east, and they worshiped the sun toward the east. So you've got these that are worshiping idols, you've got them worshiping the sun, they're worshiping all kinds of people and places and, and doing all kinds of stuff like this. And he said that this is really what the Lord is very upset and very weary with. Amen. Uh, I want you to go with me to um, go to nine. Let's go to ch- chapter 11. I mean, we're going to Ezekiel. Look at this C here. I'm moving very quickly. I've got some things I really want to get into here with you. Here. God's presence moved out of the temple, out past the eastern gate. Now, hear me closely on this. And we are in Ezekiel 11 here. What happened? He said, I'm going to show you these abominations in Israel. And then he took him into the inner court of the temple where the presence of God is. And this is all described here in the ninth and the 10th chapter of Ezekiel. We won't take time to read all that. But the Lord shows him that. And the Lord says, here is my presence. And Ezekiel says, this is what I saw when I was in Babylon, when I saw the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God and the, the chariot of fire and so forth. And he said, this is what I saw. And uh, 
So he goes on to say here, uh, the Lord began to show him that I'm going to make a change here. Look at 11.1. Moreover, the Spirit lifted me up and brought me unto the east gate of the Lord's house, which looketh eastward. Took me from the temple. Now, I'm just moving through this very quickly. He goes into detail about everything. <coughs> Look at verse 23. And the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood upon the mountain, which is on the east side of the city. Now, the east side of the city is of, of Jerusalem is the Mount of Olives. It's the Mount of Olives. I'll show you some pictures of that in just a few moments. It's the Mount of Olives. God finally brought him out. He passed the gate. He came out of the temple. He passed out the, out of the temple itself. He went outside. He passed the eastern gate. He went out on the Mount of Olives. And so then the Lord puts him out here, verse 23, and says, And the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city of Jerusalem now, and stood upon the mountain which is on the east side of the city. And, uh, and then from there, the Spirit of the Lord and then he says in verse 24, and afterwards the Spirit of the Lord uh, took him up, brought him in a vision by the Spirit of God unto the Chaldeans, back to them of the captivity. In other words, he went back to where he was. But the Lord showed him, I have left the temple. I, you saw the abominations. You saw what I've been seeing. And I have left that temple. My presence is not in that temple anymore. Now, I've said all of that to let you know that God began to move very strongly about that. And I just read verse Ezekiel 23, where it says that his glory went up from the midst thereof. Now, I want you to look at D here very quickly with me. The temple was destroyed in 588 B.C. What happened was that Nebuchadnezzar went back to Jerusalem in 588 B.C. All this other happened in 606. Then there was another captivity he made in in, in uh, in 598, I think it was 599, right in there. And then finally, Nebuchadnezzar went back the third time. And this time, he said, there's no more playing around with you Jews. He went back to Israel, and he completely destroyed the city, and he destroyed the temple and tore it down. This was Solomon's temple that had stood for 400 years, five, about 400 years. It had been standing and he tore it all down and destroyed everything and all the gold and all the value, valuable things. He picked it up and brought it all back to Babylon with him and everything. And this was Nebuchadnezzar's doing. But what the Lord did, he showed him, it showed Ezekiel why he was doing what he was doing. Amen. So the temple was destroyed. Now, let me move on a little bit further here. I got one other thing here I want to get into. A prophecy that the glory of God would return to the temple. Now, the Lord told Ezekiel, I'm going to return back to the temple one day. Everybody still with me? Now you say, okay, Brother Mark, where are we going? <laughs> yes. Hang in here with me. I'm going to Ezekiel 43. Ezekiel 43 and 1. Now, this is after God had showed him a lot of things, and he goes on to say, finally, verse 43, afterwards, he brought me to the gate, to the gate, even the gate that looketh toward the east. Now, that's where the temple, that's where the Lord brought him in that vision, and the presence of God came out the eastern gate, out of the temple, out of the temple and out of Jerusalem, over on 
uh, across the Kidron Valley over on the Mount of Olives. The Lord said, he, I have, uh, now he says, afterwards he brought me to the gate, even the gate that looked toward the east. Verse 2, and behold, the glory of God of Israel came from the way of the east. It's coming back. And his voice was like the noise of many waters, and the earth shined with his glory. Look at verse 4. <clears throat> and the glory of the Lord came into the house. That's the house of God. By the way of the gate whose prospect is toward the east. So the spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court. That's of the temple now. Well, the temple was destroyed, but God's showing him something else. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. Now, I'm showing you here that he also allowed him to see a little bit further beyond uh, where he was, had been seeing there. And God showed him that he was going to bring his glory back into Jerusalem, back into a temple that would be there. Later on, that temple was rebuilt by uh, Zerubbabel some, some 70 years or so later. Actually, it took him about 20 years to build it. But anyhow, in the course of them building that temple back, when the Babylonians, the, the Persians conquered the Babylonians. Persians were, is now Iran. But the Persians conquered the Babylonians, and there was a Persian king who was very, uh, very kind uh, to, the, to those Jews. And he said, you can go back now and rebuild your temple. And they did. And uh, so they went back and rebuilt. And so it goes on to say here, I'm going down to number four here, the prophecy that the eastern gate would be shut. Now look at Ezekiel 44.1. Go to Ezekiel 44.1. Then he brought me back the way of the gate of the outward sanctuary which looketh toward the east. And it was shut. In other words, the glory of God came back in through the gate. Now the gate is going to be shut. Then said the Lord unto me, this gate shall be shut it shall not be opened, and no man shall enter in by it, because the Lord, the God of Israel, hath entered in by it. Therefore, it shall be shut. Wow. That's a powerful thing that's found here in the book of Ezekiel. Praise the Lord. Now, let me get into some real interesting things here. Praise the Lord. Uh I want you to look with me here. We're in, uh, I want to go back to three here for just a moment. The prophecy of the glory of God returns to the temple. Uh, go to Psalms 24 a minute. This is where it talks about God's glory coming back to the temple. Go to Psalms 24 with me for a moment. And uh, Psalms uh, 20, 24, 7. All right. 24-7. This is what it says in Psalm 24-7. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of 
glory, Selah, and it's repeated, that's repeated twice here in those four verses there. Now, I'm just pointing out to you here that there are scriptures here that tells us about the Lord coming through that eastern gate, the Lord coming through it. Praise the Lord. Now go to Matthew 21 with me for a moment. Matthew 21. Praise God. And look at Matthew. This is not in your notes here. I'm just sort of filling in here with some things. Look at Matthew uh, 21 and 23. I'm going to read 8 and then I'm going to go to 8. I'm sorry. Let's go to Matthew 21, 1. I'm sorry. You God, God bless you. Appreciate you. 21, 1. Okay, thank you. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethany, Bethphaga, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus to disciples. They were on the Mount of Olives now. Remember this. They were on the other side of the, uh, of the temple, uh, where the temple was. They were all across the little valley there on the east side. And the gate was on the opposite side. And he sent these men across from the Mount of Olives. Look at verse 8. Now, this is a description of Palm Sunday. This happens a week. This, was, this is the Sunday before Easter Sunday. Look at verse 8. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strove them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Look at verse 12, 21, 12 of Matthew. And Jesus went into the temple of God. Look, look at that closely. Jesus went into the temple of God, cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables, the money changers, the seats of them that sold doves. And he said unto them, it is written, my house, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. And look what it says in the 15th verse. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, they began to worship God also. Is that what it says? And the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son Son of David, they were sore displeased. They weren't happy about it. They saw these people. They saw the blind healed. They saw the lame walking. But they heard these young people crying out, saying, you know, Son of David, Hosanna to the highest. And they knew that he, they were worshiping him as the Messiah. And they were sore displeased. I'm just trying to show you here this attitude, how, how they kept Jesus. Uh, <clears throat> It goes on to say here in verse 3, he went out of the temple and uh, goes on to say that he went out uh, in verse 18. Now in the morning as he returned into the city, he was hungry. This is 18. This is, in other words, he went out of the city back on the east side and then came back through the gate. Now the verse 23, he's coming back into the temple. He goes back through that eastern gate. And when he was coming to the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and, and the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority does thou do all these things? And who gave thee this authority? And the, from there on, they, they, they argue with him. They fuss with him. And then Jesus is constantly doing miracles in the temple. And he's working the work of God. But they are carried on like crazy. 
and and they just don't like uh, anything that he is doing there with them. And finally, for the last time, chapter 24 and verse 1, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple. He left. That's when he left, and he never went back again. And his disciples came out in for him, showing the building of the temple. That's when he said, Now one stone should be left upon another. That was Herod's temple. It was Zerubbabel's temple that had been refurbished by Herod, Herod the Great, and so forth. Now, I'm trying to show you here that these things were all developing so that there was, uh, that the prophecies of Ezekiel would come to pass and that there would be an eastern gate closed. So I read to you here in Ezekiel 44.1 that the prophecy that there would be an eastern gate, it would be shut. Uh, and it would be shut until Jesus comes. Shut until Jesus comes. Praise God. Uh, I'm going to give you some pictures here in, in a moment here. Uh, let me give it to you right now. This is, Jesus said that the gate would be shut. And in 70 AD, when the temple was destroyed, the Romans destroyed it. That gate was shut. Now here's a, a picture. It's a picture of the eastern gate. And where you're standing, if you're standing looking west toward Jerusalem, Jerusalem there. This is the wall around the city. And here's the eastern gate right here. I'm going to show you an up-close picture right here of it. There's the pic. There's the eastern gate. And this is the Dome of the Rock. This is a very sacred shrine. Uh, it's called the Sharif. The, the, this area here is uh, for the for the in the Muslim world, and this is the Kidron Valley right in through here, and up here where we're standing is where the Mount of Olives are. I'm right up here where we're standing, right in long in here, where my pen is pointing. This is the Mount of Olives, and around in here are graves of Jewish people. Over here are the graves of the Muslims. These are all Muslim graves over here. They are not uh, Christians and they are not, uh, they're not Jewish. And they have deliberately put them in front of that eastern gate because they know that Jews will not violate cemeteries by putting a road or a path through it. And they also know that the scripture talks about their Messiah coming through that eastern gate sometime in the future. So rather than that, for, for keep that from ever happening, just to add to it, not only is it sealed off, and that has been sealed now for nearly 2,000 years. And, folks, that is a witness. That's an infallible proof here that the word of God is true. And when Ezekiel said that that gate shall be shut in that 44th chapter, it shall be shut, and nobody shall go through it until the king of, the king of righteousness goes through it. That gate is to this day still shut. Now, here is a picture that's... Up close. I've got some things here to show you. Yeah, here it is. Here's the eastern. That's the, the picture standing right over. This is the eastern gate if you were up close to it. And this is if you're standing right up close to it. And whoever took this picture was in that cemetery. This is the Muslim cemetery right in here. And this is the eastern gate. And it's sealed off and it's shut. And it has been for all those thousands of years. Nobody ever goes through it. Because the word of the Lord says that that gate is going to be shut 
and nobody will go through that gate and will go through it. Now, I'm going to come back to some things here in a moment. I'm going to go a little bit further with you. Ezekiel 44.1, let me read this again. Ezekiel 44.1. All right, 44.1. He brought me back to the way of the gate of the outward sanctuary, which looked toward the east, and it was shut. Then said the Lord unto me, this gate shall be shut, it shall not be opened. And no man shall enter in by it, because the Lord, the God of Israel, hath entered in by it, therefore it shall be shut. And that was referring to Jesus Christ. Jesus went through that gate. And when he was toward the end of his natural life, natural life, he went through that gate. And he went in and, and, and did miracles. And the Pharisees, Sadducees, the scribes, the high priest, they all yacked at him, yacked at him. He went out, spent the night at the Mount of Olives, came back across, went back into that, crossed out through the eastern gate, worked some more miracles in the temple. And that's the 23rd chapter uh, of Ezekiel is where he really, really romps on those Pharisees and Sadducees. And he tells them, you know, he said, you, woe unto you. And he goes down through a list of woes. You, you, you have had your chance. You're, you, you had a day of visitation. God, through me, he was referring to himself, God has visited you and you never received that. He was telling them the word of God is right before your eyes and you're blind. You can't see it. And he was there. And in the meantime, he was healing the sick. And it was just to say, oh, well, that doesn't mean anything because we want to see him call fire down from heaven. We don't see some lightning going on in the skies and so forth. I can show you a scripture where he required all that stuff. Now, Finally, Jesus went out for the last time in his natural form, and he never came back until after, after the crucifixion in his resurrected body. Now, I'm going to have you go to Acts chapter 1 with me. Go back to Acts. I had you there a while ago. Acts chapter 1. Praise God. And uh, look in uh, verse... Nine. This is uh, Jesus had gone into the uh, had gone had gone uh, gone out of the eastern gate, walked across the Kidron Valley, and was now on the uh, was on the Mount of Olives. And look at verse nine. And when he had spoken these things, he told him, "Go back into Jerusalem and tarry until you be doing and be doing with power from on high." He told him to do that. Verse nine. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. Now, notice here, folks, that Jesus was taken up from the Mount of Olives. He was taken up from the Mount of Olives. In other words, Jesus was over here on this side. And he'd come through the eastern gate. It was not sealed in. And he was over here on this side with my fingers pointing. And he was taken up from there. And, of course, the temple was sitting where this Dome of the Rock would be now, would be today. So he was taken up. Let me go a little further here. And uh, verse 9 I'm reading here, Acts 1, 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. I read this to you, I think, last week or week before last in reference to, to another thought that we were giving to you. 
And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, angels, of course, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into the heavens? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, notice that, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, called uh, the Mount called Olivet, or Mount of Olives or Olivet. And so this tells you that they had been on that mountain. Now they returned back into Jerusalem. But he says, go, so shall these Jesus go back up into heaven. And I'm reading the latter part of verse 11 again. Shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Praise the Lord. Now, this is a description of the Lord coming back at Armageddon. When he would come back and he would put his feet right on that same mountain, folks, the same mountain. Now, when the rapture takes place, the Bible says we'll rise and meet him in the air. The dead in Christ shall rise first. The Lord shall appear in the clouds. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The Lord doesn't put his foot on the earth yet. He comes for his church. We rise and meet him. He takes us out just before the great violent tribulation begins to unfold on this earth. We are starting to see little signs of those things that's going to be coming to pass. We're even seeing some signs today. So we know that it's coming soon. But when all that happens, the church is taken away. But Jesus does not yet come back to set his feet on this earth. I'm going to show you some scripture for all that. So the Bible tells us here that it's going to happen. I want you to go to Zechariah 14 a minute. Zechariah 14. And uh, uh, I've got it listed here, I think, chapter 4. Zechariah 14, 4. I want to read verse 3. You can read verse 3 to you. Then shall the Lord go forth to fight against the nations as when he fought in the day of battle. He's talking about all the nations that will come against Jerusalem. And verse 4, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. Notice this closely now. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. That's that mountain we're talking about on the east side. Which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. It's going to split open. Toward the east and west. The split will be toward the east and west. <clears throat> and there shall be a very great valley. The half of the mountain shall move toward the north. Half of the mountain shall move toward the south. That's the Mount of Olives. It's going to split open. It's going to divide when the Lord comes back and he touches it. Now he went away from there. He came. He will come back. And you shall flee. Jesus, when he ascended now, was in his resurrected body. He came back through that eastern gate one more time, went to the Mount of Olives and ascended into heaven. Now he's going to come back again. And you shall uh, flee. Let's see. Uh, I'm in verse 15. Five, I mean. And you shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azel. Yea, you shall flee like you fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come and all his saints with, with thee. The Lord will come back with all of his saints with thee. If, uh, 
You want to read over to, I think it's Jude, verse 14. Jude 14, uh, that's the last epistle in the Bible before Revelation. And it's only got one chapter. <coughs> Jude, uh, Jude, Jude is a uh, J-U-D-E. Actually, Jude was one of the brothers of Jesus. I'm not in first Samuel. Jude, there he is. And Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. So this is the prophecy that even Jude in the New Testament was making reference to. The Lord's coming back. And there are other places where it makes mention of it as well, too. Now, I'm just pointing all that out to you to let you know here that the Bible tells us and teaches us that the Lord's coming back with ten thousands of his saints. Now, let me, uh, let me wrap this up here. I want you to look at verse 9 with me. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth in that day, and that shall be one Lord and his name one, and so forth. All right. Now, I'm pointing out to you here that the Lord will become, the gate will be shut, and the eastern gate will be shut, and this is what's going to happen when the Lord comes down, and he sets his feet down upon the Mount of Olives. Praise God. Now, here's a very interesting thing. I got pens and pointers all over the place. I want you to go to number 16, uh, number 6 here. In the reference to the photo, I'm going to show you a picture here now. Everybody still with me? You say, yeah, barely, Brother Myers. (laughs) I know I got you all over. I know, I know that. You see this, uh, see this church? It's called the Church of All Nations. Uh, it's a picture there that I'm showing up there. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, this is the map, this is what I'm looking for here. Now, if I were to put this back up here, here's the Dome of the Rock, this is facing, this is the Eastern Gate. This church would be over here where my pen is. It's off, off the corner of this picture here. You can't see it. It's back off to the right. This church is, but it faces that eastern gate. This church does. Now listen to me closely here. It faces that eastern gate. And this is that church that's there. And I know you, we got a lot of light there, but you can't really see it that well. Now, I'm going to get up real close. I have been right here in the front of it and looked at it. And I've stood right there and saw the eastern gate and all that. When I've been in Israel. Uh, But I've been right down here in the front and looked right up here. Now what I'm going to refer to here is three statues that you can barely see. They're here. And here. And here. And here. It's not the picture up here. It's these statues that I want to make mention to you here. Now I'm going to give you a picture up real close. This is a picture of it up close now, that same building, the Church of All Nations. And this is the, the statues that we're referring to. You, all, you see the shadow is real good. They're dark. The statue, though, is in front of it, in front of the shadow. This is Matthew. This is Mark. This is Luke. And this is John. 
and their statues are there. I want to show you one up close, but I could only get the first three in that one because I had to leave out John on this one and just sort of help you to see it up real close. I have a reason for showing you this. <coughs> Excuse me. So you can see the statue here, statue here, and the statue here. Now, what Matthew, Mark, and Luke are doing here, and John in the one over at the end, what they are doing, they are holding their gospel book in their hand like this, and they're pointing to a verse. And I'm going to show you the verses that they're pointing to. Because they're looking at the eastern gate. And they know that gate is shut and has been shut for 2,000 years. The statue is, whoever built this did it to a reason to, for people to look at it and say that this represents Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John with their Bibles opening saying that gate's going to be shut until the Messiah comes back and goes back through that gate. And Jesus is going to walk through that gate. Praise the Lord. He's coming back and he's going to walk through it. Not for the rapture, but at Armageddon. Because he's going to take charge of everything. And so, this statue's here. They're all looking. They're holding their books. If you could be there and see it very clearly. I got it as clear as I could get it there. And they, they were holding their, their book. And they're pointing. You can see it maybe a little bit here where uh, Luke here is, is pointing it. And so forth. And they're looking at that eastern gate. And they're trying to say, we are looking at that eastern gate right there is shut. But it's going to be opened. Now, you want to see verses for it? You ready? All right. I want to show you what they were pointing to on their book. You ready for it? All right. That's from the very, on our, the handout that you got. Let me say this, folks, before I go any further. That shut gate is, is just one of many infallible proofs that the word of God is right. It says in the book, 44th chapter, verse, that gate shall be shut until he comes through it and he's going to walk through it. He'll walk through it. Jesus came the first time and he walked through it. He walked through it more than one time, but he walked through it at the very end. And then he walked back out of it the last time in his resurrected state and then ascended on the Mount of Olives and will come back to that same pot spot and go back through that gate again. Because the word of God is right and the, the word of God is real. And folks, every time you ever look at a picture or if you ever go to Israel and you stand there and you see that wall and that eastern gate sealed, you say the word of God is right on target. It hasn't failed. But these men are saying it won't always be shut. <laughs> That's what they're saying. They're looking at it and saying that gate's shut now, but one day it's going to be opened. And that's what they're saying in essence. And let me give you the verse. If you want to look with us in Matthew 24, 30. <coughs> Matthew 24, 30. This is Matthew now speaking. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. All right? This is uh, Matthew's interpretation. 
This is Mark. This is in 1326. 1326, the next one. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. They're all referring to the coming of Christ. Luke 21. And uh, 21, 27. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. This is each one interpreting, saying what Jesus said. They were showing in the Bible, this is what Jesus said. We recorded it, and we know that it's right because Jesus said it was going to happen. And then finally, John 14 and verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Praise God. So I'm just pointing out to you folks that here is a picture of something that's been there for 2,000 years. It's still there, and it's a reminder that the word of God is right. And over in the book of Ezekiel, when it says the gate shall be shut, it says also that the Messiah will come through it. And over in the book of Zechariah, praise the Lord, in that 14th chapter, it says that whenever he comes back to that Mount of Olives and stands there, praise the Lord, that thing's going to split wide open. Amen. And Jesus is going to walk through there. There's going to be a river that will come through there, a river that will flow out of there. It will flow toward the Mediterranean, and it will flow into the Dead Sea. That river will be healing waters. It'll flow down in that desert. That desert will bloom and blossom. If you go there now, it's called the Dead Sea. Nothing's alive in the Dead Sea. It's dead. I've gone swimming in the Dead Sea. I can tell you. You can lay down on, you can lay flat on your back with your hands on your side and you won't sink any lower than you. You won't even hardly get water in your ears. You'll lay right on top of the water. It's so full of salt. Nothing's alive in it. <clears throat> and I will tell you this, that whenever the healing waters begin to flow down into it, it'll all be healed. And that water will have fish in it. It'll have life in it. They'll have trees around it. It'll, it'll, it'll blossom. It'll bloom. That whole desert ever will bloom. It'll be just full of all kinds of life. And uh, it's all brought out in Isaiah and in Ezekiel and Jeremiah and their books of prophecy. But I'm just trying to tell you here tonight, folks, believe the word of God. And if these infallible proofs, I've only talked about one tonight, and I'm not going to try to say I'm going to give you a whole series on all of them. But I just thought I'm just going to just give you this one because I've just been moved by it lately, seeing some of these scriptures in the Bible and how the Lord said, you know, that I said it was going to happen. And I have been there and I've looked at it and I've seen it. And I've said, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Because it's really there. Amen. We've got people in this congregation that's been there. They've looked and they've seen the same thing as well. They've been over there. Sister, you've been there. Yes. Amen. And I just want to let you know, thank God, that the Lord's word is true. You can read with all of your heart. It'll never fail you. Trust it. And one day Jesus is coming back. Amen. And we'll hear the trumpet sound. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air and so shall we ever be with the lord wherefore comfort one another with these words shall we stand together and give god the praise right now you've been a wonderful audience god love you praise the lord thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus 
Lord, we love your wonderful name. We praise you for your many blessings. We thank you for the word of God. That's without error, without fault. That's infallible proofs all the way through of your wonderful, wonderful presence, your power, and what you will do for us and what you're going to do for us, God, when you come back for your people. Bless this congregation, Lord. Be with us tonight. Keep your hand on us in all things, Lord. Be with us in our homes, in our, with our families, on the jobs where we work, as we go about town in our various chores. We ask you to be with your people and protect and keep us, God. Let your angels be encamped round about each and every one of us and with all of our children and grandchildren as well. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissing his name and everybody just greet each other. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.